0: This is the My Weight What to Know podcast, where we talk to medical experts about the latest research on weight management and how you can apply it to reaching your best weight. We have such a special show for you tonight. We're going to be talking with weight and nutrition educator Deanna Bedoya about appetite, cravings, and emotional eating. Deanna, thanks so much for being here with us
1: tonight. Thanks so much for having me.
0: You've created a lot of super helpful YouTube videos about weight (laughs) management and nutrition and mental health. In several of those videos, you talk about how different bodies regulate weight differently. Tell us about that. Why do some people have more difficulty losing weight and keeping it off?
1: Yeah, one of our our biggest fallacies, one of the biggest kind of errors out there is that you know just eat less just move more kind of advice that you keep hearing and the issue with it is is that it's very simplistic and it doesn't account to how complex appetite regulation is and weight management is and when i say complex what i mean is that it's different for everyone and there's a lot of different interrelated factors that go into determining how much we eat how our body stores fat etc and it also changes with time, it changes with time of day, with what age you are, it, it, it's really dynamic as well. So when we hear this advice of like, just eat less, it really doesn't help us realize how different we all are and how important it is to work with your own body. It is, it's a hard thing to accept. And it's a hard thing that I've had to accept as well, is that it's just going to be more difficult for some people than others. For some people, it's just easy. For some people, it's just like, I'm full, so I don't eat. And I'm hungry, so I eat. And it's really that simple. And I've never understood that. <laughs> I've never understood it because it doesn't... It, that's, it's it's I've always been so mental about my food intake that it's never been that way. But for a lot of us, based on how we were grown up, based on our, our genetics, based on our epigenetics, based on our microbiome, based on so many what we've experienced in our life, whether we've had trauma, there's so many things, right? So it's such a fallacy to just play into that, just eat less narrative because it doesn't give us any answers. It doesn't give us any solutions, right? And, and it kind of takes our power away as well. Instead of working with ourselves, we often judge ourselves, right? For, for it being so difficult, but it's just, it's just always going to be more difficult for some people than others. And I feel like accepting that is an important stage in, in finding a strategy that's going to work for you to find a good relationship with your body.
0: People tell us that food takes up so much mental space in their lives. They're thinking about it all the time. What would you say to someone who
1: says they're struggling with that? Yeah, I think a lot of people would identify with that statement and it's something that I've definitely had an issue with as well. One of the things I think that kind of getting to this concept of self-acceptance and self-awareness is maybe a good place to start with that. So I wouldn't tell people just don't think about food, right? As soon as you tell someone not to think about something, they're going to think about it more. What I might suggest instead is becoming more aware of what's going on in your head when you're having those obsessions, right? And I've had them and I still have them as well. Sometimes my brain's just like, I want to eat, I want to eat, I want to eat. And I'm like thinking about food, you know, and I'm like, what's going on today? You know, cause it's some days more than others. So kind of turning inwards a bit and kind of examining, observing your brain as well as to why those scripts are happening, giving yourself some compassion So when we have those mental patterns that want to keep coming up and that kind of keep us hostage in a lot of ways, right? To just become, oh, this is happening again. Oh, I'm obsessing about food again. Here it goes, right? And just being compassionate with yourself about it and maybe tapping into what's what's going on. I would also argue that calming the mind down is a strategy that could be quite effective. So for me, meditation has been really helpful. Right. And meditation, people think they have to like sit in a room all like yogic and perfect. And, you know, meditation could just be like taking some breaths. Right. And just like staring at a tree, you know, or I I meditate when I swim. Right. I just find I focus on my breath when I do that. But these are all ways to calm the mind down. So it's not like constantly on that circular thinking that a lot of us have.
0: Well, you know, you've said so many great things here, and one of the things I really want to underscore is you said, you know, being aware, like, oh, I'm having this thought again, and that is one of the things that meditation can really help us do, where we don't buy into the thinking right away, you know, we kind of build in a little bit of a pause where we're aware, oh, this thinking pattern's here again, and it doesn't necessarily mean anything about me or about the situation.
1: Yeah, and then we don't add judgment or shame to that. That's an important part of it as well. We give ourselves the grace. We give ourselves compassion. Oh, look, it's happening again. What am I? What am I supposed to be learning here? Or what what can I do differently? But like, we got to get out of that pattern of self judgment and self shame, because that can really mess with our mental well being and make this whole experience that much more difficult
0: so let's talk a little bit about medical treatments and how they can affect appetite so in the canadian adult obesity clinical practice guidelines there's kind of three main treatments that you know are recommended in addition to of course lifestyle changes you know psychological interventions like cbt medications and surgery in your experience and the people that you've seen can those medical treatments address some of the hedonic appetite uh, things that you're talking about
1: well first of all i have to say that everyone's different. And then it's really important, as I'm sure you tell people to work with your healthcare professional and find the strategies that's going to work best for you, right? Bariatric surgery is amazing for some people, but it's not indicated for others, right? So both bariatric surgery and pharmacology have the potential to reduce some of those signals to the brain that tell us to eat, right? They, I would say they more focus on the homeostatic kind of hunger side of things right? But that has an effect on our overall appetite as well. And a lot of people that go on these, they often have a reduction in appetite because they're increasing a fullness signal, right? So it's really helpful for those individuals. And bariatric surgery in different ways, and we don't fully understand all the ways bariatric surgery works, but we know that it also has an effect on like eating patterns and um and often reduces desire to take food in. So yeah, absolutely. These are strategies that could potentially work and that's why it's so important to work with a health professional that's informed about it and that doesn't have weight bias, right? And that can work with you to figure out a strategy that is right for you, which may involve these more medical treatments or might be more on the psychological aspect or lifestyle-based aspect as well. Right, there's lots of uh, lots of solutions, but it's finding the right kind of toolkit altogether. That's important for that individual.
0: Well, I, I'm just so glad to be talking about this because I do think you know a lot of times people feel like, well, my thinking is you know my fault, and I should be able to control it. But the very fact that medical treatments for some people can help does suggest that there's a lot of genetic biological things going on here that we don't have control over.
1: Absolutely. You you got it on the nose right there. And it's a like I always think of it like someone with type 1 diabetes. Someone with type 1 diabetes doesn't make enough insulin. You can't like will your pancreas <laughs> to make more insulin. You can't force it to do that, right? It's not able to do so right? We can't force that. So sometimes we do need these outside helpers as well, right? For some people, it is more difficult. And that's why these medical strategies exist as well. That's why we have insulin injections for individuals with, with type 1 diabetes, because th- they need it. And it's the only thing that's going to help them regulate their blood sugar, right? So I'm... I'm I'm absolutely an advocate for these strategies under the right circumstances based on that individual and what they've agreed to with their healthcare professionals.
0: Great point. So many people also struggle with emotional eating and you say that making peace with food is critical to to learning how to manage emotional eating. How do you encourage people to do that and change these kind of emotional eating
1: patterns that can be so challenging? If we're talking about emotional eating, we're talking about our feelings, our emotions, you know, things that we often don't want to deal with, right? And we've also not been taught how to deal with our emotions or to understand them either. So when it comes to emotional eating, I think the first thing is, is acceptance is like an, an awareness that, oh, what's driving my desire to eat is some sort of emotional cue. Which kind of emotional cue? What are the emotional cues that constantly want me to seek out ice cream or whatever, right? So that awareness and kind of trying to pattern disrupt a bit as well when these things come up is really important. Um, that said, there are certain individuals that have gone through quite significant trauma in their life, right? For And all kinds of different levels of it and for these individuals like maybe sitting with your feelings might not be indicated right and for these types of individuals first of all no shame and no judgment you know it might require working with a a, a professional a psychological professional it's such a hard one for me to address because it's it really depends on what's what's underlying it which is why self-awareness self-acceptance and then again, and then finding the right, you know, healthcare professionals that can help you, that is so important.
0: I think that's absolutely right. Self-awareness and self-acceptance are the, the first step of the medicine for whatever we're struggling with, I think. Totally. Okay, Deanna, we know it's important to listen to our bodies, especially when we feel hungry and when we feel full. That can be really hard to do though. Do you have any suggestions for how we can become more aware of the sensations
1: of being full? yeah well we have never been taught to listen to our bodies we have all been stuck in our minds (laughs) most of our lives all of us but a lot of us have been stuck in our minds so there's kind of two parts to this and one part of it is learning to quiet the mind down which is which is not a straight line approach and it's not right away that that might happen but the more you try to calm your mind down through practices like meditation through things like spending time in nature focusing on your breathing you know walking and just watching your body as you watch as you walk right all of these things are strategies that could potentially help to calm the mind down right so there's that part of it but then there's a part of it that's like getting to know your body right? Your body doesn't speak the same language as your mind, right? Our mind speaks in words, we speak in words, but our body speaks in sensations and feelings. Our body wants to be heard. And it's constantly sending us message that we just don't listen to. And I'm guilty of that 100%. I spent most of my life not listening to my body. So how do we do this? A good place to start is just curiosity non-judgmental non-shame based curiosity and a good way to do that is with questions so you can do that right now you could like pause this video or you know take some time out after this video and just sit and be like what what's does my body feel hungry right now yes or no where do i feel that hunger and you want to actually give it a voice as well because it doesn't have a voice without you Right? So listening to that is so important.
0: Well, one of the things that I think is so challenging about feeling full is those fullness signals are pretty subtle. You know, it, it's, it's not like, you know, the body hits you over the head and says, okay, I've had enough. And, and sometimes they take a little while to register. So this, this may be a good time to talk about kind of mindfulness and eating slowly. And if those are two strategies that can help us kind of be a
1: little more aware of what's happening in our bodies. I grew up with a brother who would eat my food if I didn't eat it quickly enough. So I am someone that like always scarfed food down and that got really integrated as I got older. So eating slowly is something that has been a major game changer for me. Why? It takes the brain some time to register that you've eaten. You register that, that the stomach is stretched, to register that there's nutrients in the intestines. They estimate that it's about 20 minutes some people use chopsticks, some people like set a nice table and make it more of an experience when they eat. I am someone that like, if I find myself eating too slowly, that's where self-awareness is key. But I'm like, Oh, here we go. Like, <laughs> like, Oh, doing it again. And then I just I sometimes even just push myself away from the table a bit where I put my fork and my knife down just to give myself a pause. Because I don't want that behavior to get integrated more. It's almost like we eat so quickly. So like no one knows we ate it. Or like our brain doesn't know we ate it so i don't know what it is (laughs) i don't know if we've figured that out yet but it's like i say to my students like if you're gonna eat a piece of chocolate cake like eat it enjoy it look at it be like "Mm, yeah (laughs) that looks good and like feel it going into your mouth what does it feel like what does it taste like right re like shifting that relationship with food can often help us eat less and help heal some of that relationship with food that a lot of us struggle with.
0: So Deanna, you're very open about the fact that, that you've had your own challenges with food and weight. How have you gone about kind of changing your relationship with food and, and with your weight?
1: I, just, Well, I'm a work in progress, like we all, all are. of us, <laughs> and I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say it's perfect every day, um, and I wouldn't expect it to, and I don't need it to be. But it came to a point where I was like, is this really how I'm going to spend the rest of my life? Am I really gonna spend the rest of my life obsessed, obsessed, I was obsessed about how much I ate and about what my body looks like, about like looking in a mirror and only focusing on a certain part of my body. And am I gonna spend my life doing this at the expense of my relationships, at the expense of my experiences, where I'm not showing up fully in my skin and fully excited about whatever I'm doing or fully present for the relationships that I'm, you know, communicating with, because like, I feel like a role is showing. Right. Or I, I ate too much or I like people are going to worry about how much I'm eating or whatever. I'm just like, th- like, there's got to be more to life than this, you know, so. You know, I'm a health educator as well, and I believe in being healthy and eating well, absolutely. But can we find a way to do this that actually brings our body along into the conversation, right, that doesn't compromise our mental health, that listens to our body as opposed to listening to the outside world. For me, it was really about taking the power back, right? This is my life and I wanna enjoy it. I wanna have good relationships. I want to have good experiences, and I'm just sick of fighting with my body over it, right? I want an experience in my life where, where that's that's one of the closest relationships in my life. And that I love my body. I'm still struggling on that, I'll be honest. You know, it's constant, <laughs> constant work. But that I that I love my body as much as I love other people that I love. And I treat it with that same love and compassion as well.
0: Deanna, you did a podcast interview recently and the title of it was how to be a voice for your body, which I really love. And that, and that's really what you're talking about with your process. Mm -hmm. You've learned how to do that. What does being a voice for your body look like in your everyday life?
1: One of the realizations I had about my own body is that I, I was gaslighting it. You know, I was telling it that it didn't feel certain ways. I was telling it that it wasn't hungry. I was telling it that it wasn't full. I was telling it that it didn't need sleep, that it didn't need rest, and all these other things. And that's like, I'm in a relationship with this thing. And so imagine going your entire life in a relationship with someone and be like, No, 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 you don't feel that way. No, 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 you don't. You're you're crazy. Right? So our body is trying to communicate with us, it communicates with us all the time. But all this kind of mental chatter that we have, often like it, it makes us not hear what the body has to say so part of this being a voice from your for your body is trying to tap in to what those feelings and sensations are trying to tell you so there's the obvious ones like your stomach growling right but some of these hunger and fullness factors for instance signals for instance are more subtle so being a voice for your body is a little bit of like not talking so much (laughs) like if you're having conversation with someone and you're like trying to get to know them and you're dominating the conversation with all your chatter how are you going to hear what they have to say right so part of that is calming the mind down and like i said things and things like meditation things like spending time with nature things like focusing on your breathing that can help with that being more present but also it's just one strategy that can help is just asking your body questions how do you feel right now? And maybe it says nothing, but or maybe like you feel a sensation in certain areas, right, or you feel tired. Often there's something that comes for me when I ask myself that, there's something that comes up right away. And it's almost like it doesn't even come through the mind. It's almost like it really does feel like my body is speaking to me, right? It's like, I'm tired. <laughs> and then old me would be like, no, you're not, <laughs> right? But we have to advocate for our body. And this goes, being a voice for your body actually goes beyond just you listening to it, but also, especially for people watching this, you know, that struggle with their body or might have obesity, when you go and see a healthcare professional, not everyone's going to get obesity. They don't get it. A lot of people don't get it, right? So a lot of, let's say, non-obesity educated healthcare practitioners, you go to see them and... You have this medical condition and they say we'll just lose weight right and that's going to fix all your problems it, it might help but that's not necessarily the cause of the problem right so being an advocate of your body is like it's like no, no no this is how i feel this is how it was before this is the change right and this is how it's affecting me right you need to give voice to your body because who else will you're the only person you're the it's your body's only interpreter Right, So you have the power to do that. No one else can do that for you.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that so much. All right, you talk about how sometimes we have to be a detective to find out what eating pattern is right for us, what the behavior changes are that we can kind of stick with and actually enjoy. What does that detective process look like? How How might someone watching at home get started with it?
1: So step one, no judgment, no shame, right? acceptance radical acceptance and self-awareness right so we got to start there because if we're going to like examine our behaviors or our body from this place of what's wrong with me and let's figure out all the things that are wrong with me that's going to mess with your mental health and that's not going to help you on your journey right so we have to start from that foundation and then i really believe in asking myself questions So it could for some people even be journaling, you know, so I ate this today. How did I feel afterwards? And that speaks to that concept of really individualizing your approach and realizing that the outside world is going to tell you what's going to work for you, but you are the only person that's really going to know that. So it's got to be you that does the investigation.
0: Deanna, this has been such a pleasure. Quick question for you. If folks at home want more from Deanna, where should they go? I've mentioned your YouTube earlier, but tell us more about where they can see more from you.
1: Yeah, so YouTube is probably the best option. Um, I post sporadically, and I have a lot of videos there about obesity and about weight regulation. uh, But also, I have videos there from my classes. Uh, I teach at Simon Fraser University. So if you're interested in more nutrition, you have basically a whole course on nutrition on my YouTube channel as well. So that's the best uh, option. And then if I'm offering things in the future, that's usually where I post those. So that's your your best way to, to stay in touch.
0: Thank you so, so much for joining us tonight. This has been such a wonderful conversation.
1: It has been my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Take good care. Good night.